Hey everyone, how you doing? You doing good? Awesome. Before we get started, um, I just want to honor my dad. My dad's here. Dad, why don't you stand up? Because I love my dad. Why don't you say good morning, dad? Yeah. Say good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hello. It's my dad. I love him. He's the reason why I'm a Christian. He's the reason why my brothers came to this church. And um, yeah, why I'm here. It's, it really is. So thank you, dad. That's like, that's every, every father is like, we, that's our responsibility is to lead our house well. And dad, you did such a good job. Thank you. Um, also a Vietnam vet. So <laughs> thank you. Anybody in the military here? Thank you guys so much for what you do for our country. Honestly, you guys do so much. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the soul. Last week, Pastor Tom talked about the spirit. We're going to be talking about the soul. The soul is where we house all of our emotions. That's where they all kind of bubble out from, is from, from our soul. And uh, this world is crazy. I think the, the phrase that I, I tend to find myself going to a lot is like, man, I'm so stressed out. You ever find yourself like, I'm so stressed How are you doing? I'm so stressed out. You know, I have so much stuff to do. There's so much, there's, it's, we live in such a high-paced, fast-lane lifestyle in this day and age in our culture today. Everything has to be done quick. We all have, we have somewhere to be, somewhere to go, a deadline to meet. And if that isn't bad enough, there's so much stuff going on in the world. There's a higher, we're going to be finding out pretty soon, we're going to have to start paying higher uh, prices on things because of uh, the trade war that's going on, the stock market's up and down, we're in hurricane season right now, there's natural disasters going on everywhere around the world, and if that's not bad enough, you go to the doctor and you find out that something's wrong inside of you, they can't be healed, and that can really mess up your emotions, that can get a hold of your emotions and just drive it way out of control, and I want to talk about some emotions this morning that we got to get under control. Otherwise, it'll, it'll ruin our life. It'll affect every area of our life. So that we can, once we get those under control, we'll be able to find clarity in God. We'll have that moment of peace. We'll be able to, in the midst of whatever's going on, we can take a breath and be like, everything's going to be all right. And I'm going to tell you guys how we can do that. But before we do that, I just want to pray for Florida. Is anybody in here from Florida? You guys have friends and family from Florida? There's a huge hurricane going down there right now. There's nothing we can do about it, but we can pray about it right now. And I just want to do that. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we just ask for your intervention on behalf of Florida. God, we ask that you'd protect them, that you'd protect all the, the, the states that might be affected by this hurricane. Um, God, that you'd be peace, that you'd be everyone's peace that's there whether you protect houses, that you'd protect families, that you'd protect lives, Lord, that you'd do something. We're just praying on behalf of them, our friends and family that are there. Be with them, Jesus. We just pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So things that we got to delete from the soul. A good, a good indicator, by the way, we're going to be talking about like deleting, cleansing your soul, right? The whole message is cleanse your soul. The, a good indicator of when you need to cleanse your soul is if you read this verse, that's going to come up on the screen. Psalm 42.5. There it is. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? If you're like, if you read that verse, you're like, that's speaking to me right now. That you probably need a soul cleanse. Why are you so emo, soul? Why are you so depressed, soul? It, that, that's a good indicator that we have some stuff going on inside of us that we need to take care of. Because whenever our souls mess up, really it's our heart. Every area of our life is affected by it, and it kind of just messes up everything. 
So I'm going to talk about four things. There's a lot of different things that we could talk about, but I'm just going to pick four this morning. And the first one is unforgiveness. Just write that down. Unforgiveness, if you have the app, it's probably in there. Unforgiveness. It's such a big deal to God. And so much other things kind of stem from unforgiveness. It's like, if someone does something to you, you just choose to stay mad at them. That's what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is like, someone said it's like, you drink poison hoping the other person will die. And I heard it another way that was actually really good too. It's like, it's like you pour gasoline on yourself and you light yourself on fire hoping that the other person's going to die of smoke inhalation. Like you're just burning up, you're dying, and you're like hoping that they're going to breathe the smoke and die. It's just, it's, it's so heavy. And if we're not careful for this one, it can, it can affect so many areas of our life. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Like there's a, there's a root that starts with unforgiveness. And when it grows up, it causes trouble. And some of us have trouble in our lives that we deal with stuff. There's stuff that you know the trouble that's going on in your life. And you don't think it's tied to unforgiveness, and it actually is. There's some big things that people have done to you, and you're very, it's very valid for you to, to be angry and to have mistrust and to possibly not forgive that person. But it's tied to so many issues. And not just the big stuff, there's small stuff too. Stu, like anybody uh, married? If you're married, I'm sure you've had like little fights and you just like choose to, to be unforgiving. I know like mine, my go-to uh, mechanism for uh, unforgiveness, the, the way that I show it is the silent treatment. Anybody like the cold shoulder? That's just your, that's your go-to. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna show them, I'm not gonna talk. Like I do that. And that's just my natural, like, I, I don't know, I'm not really good with words, so I just, like, I clam up and hope the other person hurts that I'm not talking to them. And I, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Sarah. She's not here right now. She's coming to the next service. But we get into little fights all the time, and I'll just clam up, and I, I won't say anything. And it's so bad. It's, it's so bad to the point where she's, like, she's not even in the wrong. I'm actually wrong, but I'm just, like, I'm mad, and I'm going to be unforgiving. And she's apologizing for something she didn't even do, and I'm still, like, I'm still holding it all in. And it's hurting her. It's so bad. It's a, it causes so much trouble in our life. And we let that just grow up. Man, it affects everything. It actually, if you are unforgiving and you're dealing with some bitterness, if you're mad at someone and you're just holding on to that, it actually, you're pushing down anger to the point where people that aren't even in that situation, they're, they're not even connected to the, to the scenario that you're mad about. You end up pushing down all this anger all the time and it eventually like bubbles up and boils over and you unleash it onto them and they don't even deserve it. It's such a, it's such a big issue. Jesus says that I've forgiven you so you should forgive others like I've forgiven you. Like as many times as you can forgive that person. And I, I went through a, a, a scenario about like in 2006. I'm going to try to make this as short as I possibly can but um, I was a youth leader in this church, and every Friday night we would take kids down to Poly Lanes in Kailua to go bowling. And one Friday night we went down there, and uh, we're waiting for a bunch of other leaders and kids to show up. So I was like, hey, go reserve the lane. They're going to show up and then come back to the car. And we were parked by Teddy's Bigger Burger. Um, and this is before, like, they put all the new lights in there, so it's, like, lit up. It was, like, kind of dark, and it was 8.30 at night. And um, they saw some friends at the bowling alley that they, they knew from school because they were still in high school. 
And they're like, hey, what's up? How's it going? And this group of kids were like, they were high. They were like, they were on drugs. So they were like, oh, these guys are calling us out. Okay, they want to fight. Okay, let's go. So they followed them back to my car. And I saw them walking in the distance to my car. This group of five boys was following them. And then just out of nowhere, they just, they just rushed them and was it basically mobbed these kids. And I'm the youth leader, right? Like I'm watching this happen. I can't run away because I'd be like a coward and these kids would be super hurt if I didn't do anything. I had a guitar in my car because I was, we just came from church. I was doing worship. I was singing to the Lord. And I was thinking, oh, I could hit one guy. Maybe I'll take out one. But that probably won't look good like on the news. Like, like youth leader concusses, youth leader concusses other youth. That's probably not going to be good. So I was like, I, all I could do is just approach them and say, hey, stop it. They didn't do anything. They're both like scrawny high school kids, like kind of nerdy, like looking kids at the time. Really cool kids. I love them. But they were like, they're not threatening at all. And these, these kids were just mobbing them. And I was like, hey, they didn't do anything. So I was approaching them. And next thing I know, I blacked out. And I woke up on the pavement and... I had my, one of my friends who stayed with, he just curled into a ball and was getting lickings and he just stayed with me and I had these other two local guys that drove by, saw what was going on, and they stopped the fight and they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you're so messed up. They, they, they called the ambulance and they're like, hey, we'll go, let's, we'll go get those guys. We'll, we'll, we'll get them for you. you don't des- no one deserves this. You don't deserve this. And we're like, nah, we're Christians. Like, don't. I had no idea what was going on. I just woke up. And I was like, no, we're Christians. We don't do that. And I, I was in the hospital for two weeks. Um, there was a fracture in the back of my skull. The roof of my mouth was split open. So my, my teeth, front, if you looked at if I tried to smile, it was like one side was lower than the other. My jaw was broken. The floors of my eye sockets were shattered. I had like a fracture running from one side of my face to the other side. My nose was broken. There was spinal fluid leaking out of wherever the fracture was. Uh, I had uh, air bubbles in my frontal lobe. So the doctors were like, you might have some issues later on in life. Like we're not, we're not sure. I didn't have complete vision. Like it was crazy. And I had every right for the guy that did this, I, I could be mad at. I, had, I was justified and I could hold unforgiveness, right? Like you would think like, oh, you have every right to be mad at that guy and not forgive him. And I did. But I saw him in the courtroom because I actually, they identified who he was. He was in high school just bragging to him. Oh, I put this pastor, this youth leader at church. I put him in the hospital. Yeah, I beat him up good. And <laughs> he ended up getting ratted out and the police came to the high school, got him. And I saw him in the courtroom for the first time ever. No idea who this kid is. I never, I've never met him in my life. And I looked at him in the courtroom and I was like, hey, I don't deserve this, man. I, no one ever, just, like, you, you can't just do this to people. This is, this is evil. But I want you to know I forgave you when I woke up on that pavement. Because not only that guy that, that, that broke up the fight, and I was like, hey, let's go get those guys. I had, I had uncles and cousins and, and people in circles that I didn't even know about. And they're like, Hey, we know who the kid is. We got connections. We can make him. We'll just take him to the, you know, the sugar cane fields. We'll, we'll make him disappear. I'm, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Like, I had to, I had to disconnect the phone because we kept on feeling like, no, no, uncle, we're good. Thank you. And we ended up disconnecting the phone because so many people were like, they were so angry about what happened. And I told him that in the court. I was like, hey, I had, 
I had every opportunity to get back at you, but I forgive you, and I want to see you in heaven one day. And I was able to say that to the guy. And if I and I just I just think like, what if I didn't do that? What if I what if I held on to unforgiveness and bitterness? How would it have affected my family? How would it have affected the people that I was with? How would it have affected the, the kids that I was leading in youth group? It would have caused trouble. It would have grown up into a fully matured unforgiveness plant and caused trouble in my life. And what's, that, what's, the, what's the area in your life that you're dealing with right now? You can think of a person. If you think of that person, you're just like, you, have, you start tensing up. You gotta forgive that person. You have to set yourself free. Do yourself a favor. Let them off the hook. Because it's something we got to watch out for. It's, it pollutes our soul. It's connected to so many different things. The second thing we're going to talk about is comparison. And actually, I struggle with this one <laughs> a lot. Like, tons. I think everyone on stage usually deals with, like, insecurity issues and comparison issues. And it's like, you know, comparison in your life. Trying to be like someone else. Looking at what other people have and wanting that because you don't have it. And I think it's so easy in this day and age to like just be thumbing through Instagram and seeing everyone's highlight reel before you. You know, like you're just like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go set to Santorini, Greece. Like you see everyone's Europe trips, you see all the good food that they're eating, you see their meal prep plans are so organized. I'm losing weight. I have all the boxes, you know, like I'm keto. And and we try to, we, we look at that and like, oh, I should be like that. Why am I not like that? And we get into this comparison thing. And it really, it boils down to an identity issue. It's like an identity crisis. And the culture in the day and age we live in, man, we, we, lived in, we live in such a confused and messed up world. Everyone's trying to define who we are. Hollywood, the movies are trying to define who we are. It's trying to define what love looks like. Our culture is trying to define what, what marriage looks like, how we should raise our kids, who we should be. The Bible says in James 3, it says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The Bible is just like, I'm just going to cut straight to the, I'm not even going to mess around. <laughs> it's demonic. Let's just be real. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. <coughs> we compare and we're like, we're wanting what we don't have. It ends up making our, our life and our world and it, it just turns it into chaos. It, it, it takes what was once, like, hey, we knew where we were going, and it just jumbles it up, and there's just disorder. And the Bible says every sort of evil practice is connected to that. We have one life to live. Just one. Like, God only give us one life. And we got to stop trying to live someone else's life because no one's going to live our life because we only got the one. So you got to live it the best you can because no one else is going to do it for you. Amen? The third thing that we're um, going to talk about is anger. Anger is like, I think it's the same thing. Like it's, we live in such a day and age that's like everyone has an opinion about something. Everyone's offended by something. Um, 
I, so I, I do go on Instagram, by the way. I'm, just, I'm not like dissing Instagram. I, I love it. I actually get inspiration to cook dinners from Instagram. <laughs> I follow like, if you look at my Instagram, my Instagram's like ramen and church and like travel. That's, that's, that's what I like to do. Um, but I, sometimes I, I Instagram troll. Like I, I lurk. And I like, it's kind of entertaining sometimes. Like you find some people that are like, they post some real like opinionated, controversial topic. And then you do like the comment lurking. And everyone... There's like the majority of everyone's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you. I support that. But there's just that one guy that's just like, well, I think, have you considered blah, 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 blah. And it just starts this whole comment war. And it just, it's actually kind of entertaining sometimes just watching. Like, how do you have the time to do that? Is it just sitting down, like, arguing with people forever? And it's just crazy. Everyone has opinion. Everyone is, is angry about something. And we got to be careful about anger, too, because it's like, not just blowing up at someone just one time, but I think it turns into like a cycle of just being angry. Like you, you end up just being an angry person if you don't get it in check. And maybe you've been that person. I know I, I've been that person once um, or often and I have to get it in check to the point where I'm angry about something and I let it kind of consume me. And then every, I'm just angry about everything. Have you ever been around people like that? Or maybe that's you and you're like, Someone is like, your wife is like, hey, honey, I'm making lasagna. I hate lasagna. Hey, we're going to go to the park. I don't want to go outside. And you just think about everything is so negative and you're so angry about someone. And your world ends up shrinking because no one wants to be around you because they they don't know what's going to set you off. It's such a big thing. And then James, and we always think that it's like someone else. You know, like we, it's never us when we're angry. It's always someone else. We're always pointing the finger at someone else. It's because of them that I'm mad. It's because of the government. It's because of this or that. And in James 4, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And the Bible is just like, hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's you. It's not other people. It's actually you. It comes from your soul issues. It comes from stuff that's happening inside you. It's always, I had a right. I deserve this. I deserved a better life. I deserve to have this. I should have this. It's like when we, it's like we want something. We're angry. We want something, and we can't get it. And I can't help but think about my kids. My kids are like, I have an eight-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And uh, my wife loves to take them to Target. Anybody have kids? And Target is like the word, like, you can't mention the T word because they're just like, I want, I want the toy. Let's go to the toy aisle. That's, that's my kids. And sometimes they'll come home with like toys. You know, I'm like, Sarah, don't buy them toys. And she comes home. There's like, they both have a toy. And they'll be fighting with each other, right? They're like, one, one, like my son wants what my daughter has. My daughter wants what my son has, but they don't want to give it up. So they're fighting each other. They're like ripping at stuff. And I can't help but think this verse, this is like, this is God in us. Like God's like, hey, why are you fighting? Why are you quarreling? Just ask me. You don't have what you want because you're not asking me. They don't know that, that I have the, the credit card or the debit card. I have the cash. I, can, I have the power to get what you want, but you don't have it because you're not asking for it. You're just trying to take what your sister has or what your brother has. And God's saying, and we got to be careful for this. And we're not actually killing people, like, I hope not. 
you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You want something, you don't have it, I'm going to kill you. We don't actually kill, right? But we do kill with our words. And some people are really, 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 really good at it. The Bible actually says that life and death come from the tongue. And we have a choice. We can either give life or we can take it away and we can kill someone with our words. We have to be careful for this because this, this issue can eat us up from the inside. Anger is such a big deal. We want to change situations. We, if we can't get something, we want to make something happen, right? I don't have something. This, oh, the waiter messed up my order. Like I ordered a filet mignon and I got this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chew them out. And we want to change the situation. And oftentimes, reality is, we can't change everything. But God can change us. We can change us. And that means everything. Because when you, when you realize that you can change yourself and you can get a better perspective on life and calm down a little bit, those things aren't such a big deal anymore. The last one we're going to talk about is worry. <clears throat> And this is another one that I, I, I deal with a lot, if I'm honest. I love this. I'm just going to quote it because I, I was listening to, to Pastor Chris Hodges. And this, is, this comes from him. Worry is assuming a responsibility God never intended for you to have. Worry tries to change the past, control the future, and pollute your now. All of us worry, right? No one's immune to it. What matters is what you do when you worry. And if you give in to worry, worry ultimately graduates to fear. We don't want to be there. How many of you remember the, the, the missile threat, right? How can you forget it, right? It's like, it was crazy. Um, talking about worry. On Saturday morning, I was like, I was getting up, and I live right next door to my parents. This is awesome. Like, my, my wife and I bought the house right next door. We have this great community. I get to see my parents all the time. And Saturday morning, we had plans to go to the beach, and I ran out of coffee, so I was walking down the stairs to my parents' house to ask my mom if I could have some coffee. Like, my French press, you know, it's a good morning. And she bolts out of the door and is like, there's a missile coming! And I'm like, I'm just waking up. I haven't even had coffee yet. And it takes a while for it to like sink in. And I'm like, are you sure? And I'm like Googling stuff. And, I, and then I see my phone and there's, there's the message, right? And all of us are freaking out. My, uh, my brother Tate, who's the tech director here, he was on the big island with um, his wife's family. And I'm sending texts. We're sending all these last I love you text messages and freaking out. We have all of our kids. All of our kids are in the, in the garage. We're pushing them to the back and they're freaking out. What do we do? I know some of you are like, oh, it's not a big deal, and you have your reasons why you thought that. But for me, it was, it was so real, and, and it, it, I was terrified, and fear was gripping me. And our kids are freaking out. We're like, it's going to be okay. We're praying, and I'm calling Carl. I'm like, Carl, you got connections. You know some people high up in the military, right? What's going on? And he's like, I don't know. Just pray. And I'm freaking out, and I'm like, where's my dad? Where's dad? And my dad was upstairs on the table eating eggs, like he's just having breakfast. And he's like, I was like, dad, we got to go into the garage. He's like, son, don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's all right. It's going to be okay. And it didn't make me feel any better, by the way. I'm still like, okay, whatever. I'm going to go downstairs. You've had your time. 
but my dad is, is he's, like I said in the, in the beginning, he's a, he's a Vietnam vet. He's faced so many life and death scenarios. He's gone through cancer. He's gone through so many things. And my dad knows where he's going. We've have, we have so many talks about heaven and eternity. He knows where he's going. He has a confidence on where he's going. And we got to be careful about this last one, worry and fear. Because if we think everything's locked up into this life, it's going to ruin us. It'll ruin you. And we got to get it right. we got to learn how to deal with worry. Everything isn't locked up into this life. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, can, you, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can you add any time to your life by worrying? And what he's really saying is, look, it's not all here and now. I'm going to a place to prepare a home for you in heaven. That's where we're going to be for eternity. So you, you can't add any more time here. But what you do for me, you can store up riches and treasures in heaven. And that's where we'll be. You've got to remember that this isn't our home. This earth, everything isn't locked up here. We have a place in heaven that to look forward to. Amen? All right, now there's some relief. We can get to the relief side of the message, okay? Things that we can fill our soul with. Proverbs 4, 23, and I love this verse. I use it a lot, and I think about it a lot. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Another translation says, for it determines everything you do. It controls everything you do. Everything, the condition of your heart determines what you do. And a polluted soul, a toxic soul, a cluttered soul will make every area of your life toxic. And so all the things that we talked about, we got to make sure that we have them in check and we delete the right things so that we can have clarity with God, that we can, we can have a clean heart. And God's solution to the toxic, to the toxic soul, to the, to the cluttered soul, is actually relationships. It's relationships. You can write that down. He wants you to talk to him about it because we have to have a relationship with God. He wants you to, to tell him your issues. He wants you to, to pour out whatever's going on in your life. Pray. That's all prayer is, is just you're talking to God. Like, God, this is going on in my life. God, I'm so angry. God, why did you make, like, you just, you're just talking to God. And the other thing is talking to other people about it and just letting them know what's going on in your life. You know, connect groups and church and what we're doing right now is we're just gathering. The, the only reason why we have connect groups is so you have a reason to gather together and you can get into each other's lives. It's relationships. It's all about relationships. And God says in James 5, talking about the toxic soul, are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the master. Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. And God's saying, man, when you get together, when you, when you get together in your connect groups, when you get together in church and you're in the courtyard and you see your friend and you're like, man, I'm going through this thing right now. I'm, I, someone did something to me, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm so mad and you confess that stuff, God actually says you'll be healed. Anybody, like, you have people in your life that you can go to at any time, and you're like, I'm just, I'm about to do something crazy. I'm about to quit my job. I'm about to do this. And they end up talking you down from the ledge, and they're like, no, it, don't do it. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I have those people in my life. And Actually, I, I don't know if I, I wear out the relationship sometimes because I call them often. I have like probably about five people that I call on, on, a, on a regular basis. One of them is Pastor Rob because he's my father-in-law. I go over to my parents' house. Um, my brother, uh, Pastor Carl, 
And I'm always like, you know, when life, I've had it enough of the issues of life or a situation and my mind is just spiraling out of control and I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to do this. I quit. And I call them up and they're like, hey, it's not as bad as you think. Just hold on. And they remind me of some, some godly realities and they pray for me. I end up being better after that phone call. Do you have that? Do you have someone that loves God, that knows God intimately, and that has your best interests at heart? So when you're going through the mess and you're about to do something crazy, they know you well enough and they know God well enough to pray for you and remind you of some things of where you are. So key relationships. And I'll say something too. I don't know if there's any junior hires or, or young people. Maybe some of you are watching online. Hey, everyone watching online. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Talking about the people that are in your life, your relationships. Who do you surround yourself with? Who do you allow to influence your life? I know that in high school, I kind of got this concept of, man, you become who you hang around with. And if you want to know where your life is going, high schooler or junior higher, if you're in this room, who are your friends? Who are they like? What do they do? You'll find out you're going to, that whole group will kind of be the same. And you got to watch out who you let influence your life. You got to have someone that loves God and loves you in your life as that relationship. The next one is God-defined identity. We got to learn how to, and I, I do this, I have to do this often, by the way. Like, it's, this is like a daily and weekly thing for me. God made you. He made me. He has a plan for your life. He knows all your strengths. He knows all your weaknesses. I think even like, you know, I'm a, I'm a video game nerd. He knows all the upgrades like, that you're going to get in life, um, how you're going to level up in life. And he can, under, he can help you understand who you are. And if we don't let God define who we are and find our identity in God, the world will and the people that are around you will. And they'll tell you, they're, they're so quick to tell you what you're not good at, what you shouldn't be doing, that you can't do this, you'll never be this, you'll never amount to. And God says, I have a plan for you. I have a future and a hope for you. And we got to realize what that is. Galatians 6. I think some of you need to just like write this down and be like, okay, I need to just sit on this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Just commit yourself to that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. God is saying, God, God has a plan for each and every one of our lives, right? Like he's given us all giftings and skills and abilities and he wants that to align with his plan with your, with your life. Not to say like you, you aren't the skill that he's given you, if that makes sense. That's not your identity. You're not like, I know Justin's standing back there listening to me right now. He's an amazing videographer. He works for a company, a local company, but also um, he's been on staff here for a long time, still on staff. But he's an amazing uh, videographer. And I know if I ask Justin, he's so secure and confident in his identity with God, he could say that like, oh no, I'm not just 
a videographer. That's one of the giftings that God has given me. But I'm so much more than that. And he knows his mission and his calling. And what is that on your life? You gotta, we got to find out the mission, the work that we've been given, and just commit to that. Part of the reason why our souls are so infected is that we haven't defined it by God first. You know, I, uh, a while ago, before um, I became the worship pastor of this church, I grew up in this church um, since, I've been coming here since 1999. Uh, my dad brought us here when we were young, actually back when it was still Ben Parker Elementary School. And um, I grew up in the church, learned how to play guitar in and, and, uh, connect group and all that. And I'm sure you've heard me say all this before. But once I found out, like I, I had a vision, like a literal like vision from God at this Hillsong uh, United Night in Australia. Pastor Carl and I went up there. We were, we were checking out the college because I was like, hey, I, I want to be the worship pastor of the church, so I probably should go to Bible college. And then when I got to the Bible college, God's like, no, you don't. <laughs> and he, he literally gave me a vision of this auditorium full of people with their hands raised. And I had this image in my head like, Hillsong's amazing. I'm going to learn everything I need to learn there. And he said, you have, you have everything you need to make a difference right now. So you go back and, and do what I've called you to do. And it was like, it was a long road after that. I had a lot of stuff to learn after that. But I was committed to what God had called me to do. And I'm committed to this house. What are you committed to? What has God called you to do? Sink yourself into that. Because that's where we can find our identity in God. The seventh one is die daily. And this is more of like a maintenance thing. This is, this is something that we just got to continue to do to keep our, our souls in check, to, to cleanse our souls. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul, he's writing this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have to die daily. We got we to... Gotta, Kill the things that clutter our soul daily. You know what they are. The unforgiveness, the anger, the comparison, the worry. We got to put to death those things every day, every hour, whenever it, whatever it flares up. Because if we don't, it's, we have a confused and infected soul. And we're not able to, to live the life God has called us to live clearly. Choose peace over choosing to be right. And I know that's really hard. When you're in an argument with someone, choosing to make peace, even though you're right, is huge. Forgive the person. Choose to have faith in God when you worry. When you die daily, the things that usually set you off so easily and, and, and make you give in to whatever that emotion is, when you learn how to struggle and fight and put to death that thing, you'll find out that it doesn't bother you as much anymore. And when you do that, your soul is clear, and all that's left is just Christ living in you. All that's left is just Jesus all in you, and you can live a clear and confident life in him. We're going to go to the last one. If I could get the worship team to come up as well, that would be awesome. The last one is eternal perspective. This earth that we live in right now wasn't made to, to make us happy. And I know I said this in... Uh, earlier in the message that we have to know where we're going, that there's a heaven. If we think everything's locked up into this life, it's going to mess us up. And if you think that the new car, 
will make you happy. You think if you get married, you find the one and you have a, a, an awesome family and all these kids and all this stuff. And, and if you gather all these things, it'll make you happy. And you put all your faith, all your trust, all your hope into that. It'll eventually let you down. Nothing lasts forever. Your car will eventually break. Something will happen in your family and you're going to have to deal with the, whatever that is. If you have a house, something's going to break in the house. I have a, an awesome house, but our, our split AC broke and I'm miserable in the heat right now. <laughs> Anybody else? Like you just like no AC, no AC life. That's me. And it, this world wasn't designed. God didn't make it. His, this wasn't his end plan. If I could say that, like, he's not like, hey, I made this earth so you could be happy. Jesus came down so he could give us hope and point us to the place that he's preparing. Because eventually something's going to happen. Maybe you get a call from the doctor, like you took a blood test and you're hoping for better news and he gave you the opposite. Maybe you reflect on life and you're like, I didn't think life was going to turn out like this. I didn't want this for my life. How did I end up here? If we don't get eternal perspective right, and we don't know where we're going, fear and terror will destroy you. The world that we live in right now is crazier than ever. And fear is so easily there, just waiting right around the corner to grip your heart and to take control of you. I want to talk about um, Marty Foreman. He's a, he's a good friend of ours. He's a, a member of this church. He used to live here a while ago. And Marty, you can throw the picture up there. This is him on the right. Marty was amazing. He was like, he was a super fit guy. I, I like to think of Captain America from <laughs> Avengers and, and Marvel. And, you know, when they injected Captain America, Steve Rogers with the super soldier serum, he was like the peak of of fitness in like it, you, this is like you're the perfect human and he was so fit like that's what I think of when I think of Marty like he was so buff so fit and he had this thing called boot camp where he was like it was a fitness class up here at church and he'd make us like do push-ups and all this this regimen and then he'd make us run around the, the parking lot and he'd make us run down the driveway that you drove up this morning that steep driveway that's basically a mountain and then run back up and I remember one time Pastor, and Car- Pastor Carl and I were doing it. And we both, we, we did it, we got to the top, but we just threw up our lunch like right at the top. Another staff member was like, he was trying to get in shape. And at the end of one of the exercises, he was laying down in the grass and he thought he was having a heart attack. <laughs> but this guy was so intense. He had like, he had everything right. He had, he was like close to zero, but like percent body fat. Like, I don't know if that's a thing, but he was like so fit ate the right things. And then one day, overnight, he found out he had ALS, which is a horrible, horrible disease where you end up losing the ability to control your muscles in your body. It sends mixed signals to your body. And the end of that disease is where you're not able to breathe. You're not able to control your breath your lungs stop functioning and you're unable to expel the carbon monoxide and you, and you pollute yourself and you die. But Marty, he's still alive. And I, I talked to him last year and you know that verse I shared in the beginning, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? 
last year I was I was going through some stuff in life and I was just I was just I was depressed. I was just going through some some really tough stuff internally in my soul. And Marty came down to take care of some business with a house that he owned and he was at he was staying at Pastor Rob's house and we had a dinner that night with with Marty and I was talking to him and I was just thinking about my stuff and making light conversation and Marty told me his whole story of how he how he had it happen to him. And this guy, when he was telling me it, he was telling me a story, but he, was, he wasn't down. He was so hopeful. He had such a joy about him. Such a piece of where he was with the Lord. Marty knows where he's going. He knows that his heaven, that heaven is his home and, and earth wasn't meant for him to be here for forever. His place is in heaven. And I, I remember so clearly as I was going through all this stuff, Rob didn't tell him. I asked Rob afterwards, I was like, hey, Rob, did you tell Marty that I was depressed? That I was going on through all this stuff? He's like, no, I didn't. I was talking to Marty and he told me this whole thing. He's like, look, you would think I did, I did all the right things. I ate organic, I exercised, I didn't drink alcohol, I did all this stuff. You would think that I would be good. But you know what, Trevor? Tomorrow is never promised. Tomorrow is never promised. So cherish your loved ones. Don't take for granted the stuff that that God has given you. Don't take for granted the the things that God has blessed you with. Because tomorrow could be over like that. I was diagnosed with ALS just like that. And it can change like that. So don't take for granted. We have to set our sights on heaven. In Colossians 3, Paul says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so when worry and fear, realities of this world, grip your soul and start to dig in, remember that the reality is heaven. Thank God for heaven when that happens. Put to death some of the emotions and the things that are are messing up your soul and cluttering your soul. We started with this verse. We're going to end with it. This is the whole thing. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face because he's my God. That's what we got to do. We gotta look to God in the midst of whatever we're going through and find perspective. Because He's our God and He loves us. Amen. Why don't we all stand this morning? Every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm gonna pray. I wanna offer an opportunity to someone in this room this morning that doesn't have the confidence doesn't have that relationship with Jesus, that if they're honest with themselves, they they don't know God. They've never truly given themselves a shot, a relationship with Jesus Christ, never surrendered their life to him. And everything I talked about this morning, the world is crazy. Life is crazy. But in Jesus, we have a confidence and a hope and an assurance of heaven 
and we have a promise of peace in this life. And Jesus came down from heaven, fully God, fully man, sacrificed himself for us, for all of our sin, for all the unforgiveness, for all the anger, for all the worry, everything that we deal with, he sacrificed himself for that so that we could have a relationship with God. He's put on the cross. He died a criminal's death so that we didn't have to. And then he was raised three days later by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a free gift. And literally, it's so easy. All you have to do is just commit in your heart right now this relationship with God. You don't have to do anything. It's a free gift. And we do this every week because we can't afford not to because your eternity is at stake. And the life you live right now is at stake. So I'm gonna just ask you, and on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. If you, if you want that this morning, if you want the hope of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, that relationship, the access to God, I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three, all right? So one, here we go. I know that's you, you're feeling it somewhere, and you know that's, this, this is a decision you need to make. Two, three, go ahead, raise your hand. Just shoot it up, no one's even looking. Awesome, I see you in the middle, I see you over here. I see you, I see you on the side. I see you in the back. I see you in the back. I see you over here on my right. I see you on my right, young man. Awesome decision. Awesome decision. Anybody else? I'm just going to hang here for a little bit because I feel like there's someone else in the room that just needs to say yes to Jesus this morning. Come on, just don't be afraid. Just say, I want to make that decision. I want to say yes to Jesus. Oh, man, I see you. Good job. Awesome. All right, put your hands down. Now, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to pray a prayer. But the things that I'm praying, just commit to in your heart because this is your relationship with Jesus. And he's listening and he's there for you. All right, here we go. God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for my sins, to be the sacrifice so that all you see when you look at me isn't sin and all the wrongdoing and the separation anymore. All you see is your son's blood, which is perfect and pure. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was your son, fully God, fully man. I believe that he went to that cross to die for me. I believe that he went to the grave, and then three days later, he was raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, God, thank you so much for giving me this hope. God, I choose to live for you. I turn away from the old life that I was living, the old habits that I was living. God, I'm going to make a go, and I'm going to commit in my heart right now. I'm going to sink myself into your ways, God, because you saved me. I call you my master, my friend. I choose you over my way right now. God, we love you. Thank you for these people that are making this decision. We're so grateful for you, Jesus, because if we didn't have you, we'd have nothing. God, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Come on, let's just give those people a hand right now.